Hello and welcome to A Photographic Life, an episode five of The Conversation, in which Bill Shapiro and I talk things photography in a continuous conversation that links from episode to episode. So who is Bill? Well, Bill's a writer, editor and curator of photography based out in New Mexico. And I'm Grant Scott, a photographer, lecturer, writer, filmmaker and podcaster. I think it'd be fair to say that both Bill and I have got extensive uh, experience of the photographic uh, environment over a number of decades. In fact, 40 years for me. We've got a lot to discuss this week in this episode. But actually, what we're going to talk about can be summed up in two words. Or maybe it's one word with two words jammed together. It's websites. The how, the why... The where. Let's get started, shall we? Okay, so um, welcome back, Bill, to the conversation. Um, we, we haven't finished talking. There's still so much to talk about. Well, as you know, I look forward to every single conversation. So thanks, Grant. Oh, it's a pleasure. Well, listen, I, I want to uh, go forward by going backwards, uh, as is so often my way. And we, we, we wanted to talk about websites, Um this time and kind of follow on for that, those conversations we've had previously around art speak and photo books and so forth. Um, but what I want to say about going backwards before we go forwards is on the last episode, we spoke briefly about um, a book we both love, The Unseen Saul Lighter. And what it made me think about is two things. Um, one was the fact that that book is put together around how we used to look at photographs, which is on a slide projector, that idea of viewing photography in a dark room where you're totally focused on this blown up um, image on the screen. One of the things I love about that book is, is how they brought me back to the, the look and feel of those slides, you know, and, and, and how it actually felt to hold a slide in your hand. So, so yeah, the idea of looking at one image at a time and then being like, next, next, you know, it's so different today from the, from the sort of rapid scroll and, um, you know, images flying across your screen, you know, whether or not you're ready for the next one to happen. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it just took me back to the idea of total concentration um, on the image and and something else in that book, which I also takes us back. And before we kick into the the website conversation, I just want to read something from the book. I know you're the one who who always does all the preparation, so it's very strange that I've done any preparation <laughs> for this conversation. But I've done a little, and I just want to read this. It's about Saul Leiter, um, and the first time he goes to show his work, and he says, "the the, the piece of text says this." Robert Benton was the assistant to Esquire art director Henry Wolfe at the time. This is in 1957. And at Leiter's 2014 memorial ceremony in New York, he told the story of Saul coming by to offer his services to the magazine. The receptionist called to say that there was an artist wanting to see Henry, Benton recalled. And when I glanced up, there standing in the doorway was an unmade bed. That was how I met Saul Leiter, one of the great photographers of our age, Benton continued. 
Henry, who was compulsively neat, reluctantly let Saul into the office and asked to see his portfolio. Whereupon, Saul dug in his pockets and after pulling out several half-smoked packs of cigarettes, some Kleenex and a handful of coins, finally he came up with a couple of battered yellow boxes of Kodachrome slides held together by rubber bands. Henry gingerly took them to the light board and spread the contents out across the frosted glass. And that was when I got my first look at what is now referred to reverentially as Saul Leiter's early colour. And now, of course, we have the website as the principal place to show work. I mean, how do you feel that photographers are responding to that? I have to back up and just say what you read was so beautiful that I got chills. Um, and, and it was I'm so glad you read that line. And it also brought me back. And I'm sorry to go parenthetical on you here. It brought me back to one of the highlights of of maybe the last five years for me, which was being able to go into Saul Leiter's old apartment um, on, um, in, 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 the, in the village um, in New York City and uh, hold his camera and see where he lived and smoked and left his, um, you know, uh, cigarette cigarettes and their burns all over his coffee table. And, um, it's such an evocative passage that you read and such a great intro to what I think we're going to talk about, you know, which is, um, the website and, and what a different way to, to, to visit work, um, and to understand work. So, so thanks for starting like that. Oh, it's a pleasure. And I didn't realize you'd been to what I consider a, a, a kind of a holy space, really. Um, um, it re- it but, truly um, is. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think maybe what um, we've, we've kind of set off there, we, we both of us have got quite emotional about it. And perhaps a lot of people don't get emotional about a website and kind of lose sight of exactly its importance and, and what it does for a photographer today. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a little bit of this sense of um, I have to I have to here's this thing I have to have, you know, I have to have um, X number of books on my shelf and and I have to have a business card that looks like this and I need a website. And it's almost like a box to check off. And I feel that there are some terrific websites out there that photographers have that I find evocative and helpful and lyrical and and entertaining and informative. And then there are some that feel rather tossed off and, and it shows, and it shows, I think in ways that photographers may not even realize because, and we've talked about this so many times, they're thinking about what they feel like they should show rather than having sort of an, a sense of empathy um, about the people who are going to be looking and using their website and the information that they need to get out of it and extract from it first and foremost. Well, we talk about audience so often, don't we, that importance of, of actually recognizing your audience and a website has an audience. But it takes me back uh, 22, 23 years ago, I was working in Seattle and working for Getty at the, their very beginning and uh, learning about website architecture. And one of the things I learned then, which I hold true now, is that you need to get to wherever you want the person to get to in as few clicks as possible. And I think 
maybe a starting point for this is confused websites and photographers who lose track of that importance of directing people through their site. Well, you know, there's a, a great book that um, the first time I worked on a, on a, a website, which was that when we launched the life.com website and um, the, the, the sort of guy, you know, who, who actually knew about um, websites uh, on day one, handed me this book called don't make me think. And I, I, I won't even go into the book now, but it's super helpful. But the main thing is the title. When you're designing a website for a user, don't make that person think it should be so intuitive and so simple. Um, and all the call outs should be, in my personal opinion, sort of at the top, as opposed to making me go through a menu with three or four levels. So I don't know how, like where, where we should dig in, but, but I really think what you learned at Getty and the phrase don't make me think um, can be the sort of the guiding light here. Well, maybe that's exactly where we start. Maybe where we start is with structure, that actual, that foundation upon which the website is built, rather than how it looks, how it works. I think that's, I think that's perfect because, you know, the, the images will come later, you know, you have the images, but the main thing I think is to give people navigation. You know, one of the things that Instagram has done, um, very well, I think, is it's extraordinarily easy to navigate. You know, there aren't layers and la- unless you want to get into the creator tools and all that. But the viewing experience is very um, intuitive. It is. But what it also does is it removes context. It, exactly. Yes. Which maybe is also something that I mean, I, I see. I suppose I'm quite literal about all of this because I've had to because I teach um, this idea of how do you communicate, how do you build a practice, how do you build a website? I've kind of over the years kind of honed this down into a series of steps. But for me, where it kind of is, is that perhaps social media might be a starting point where somebody sees your work. Then they need to get to your website. When they get to the website, you've got to show them the work. You've got to give them a good user experience. And then hopefully they will contact you and say, come and see me, show me your book, show me your work, have a conversation. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think that there's something else that a good structure communicates to a photo editor. And that is, I think clearly I can solve problems cleanly and I know what you want. Um, and I think that's really important because I, I think a photo editor wants to know that their photographer will do all of those things. I think also, you know, maybe we maybe it's it's worth just noting that I, I think the kind of website we're talking about now, correct me if I'm wrong, is one that a photographer is building to show to, um, you know, photo editors to hopefully get an assignment. Is that is that where you're coming uh, to this from? Well, well, kind of not really. I, I think okay. that it's the same for all of the websites, because I've. For me, a, a website is a shop window, and it doesn't matter what your work is. If you are putting it and up there and you're having a website, you're not doing it for you. Um, otherwise, don't have a website. Perfect. Great. So, so let's talk about what a shop window should, what that experience should sort of be structured like. Over to you. 
<laughs> well, um, I mean, I think, you know, the, the, the first thing is, um, you know, the choice between a sort of what we used to call a hamburger menu, um, you know, which was the, something you click on to see the structure of the website or whether the structure um, is clear in front of you, where there are categories that say something like um, editorial work, commercial work, um, recent work. Uh, about contact, you know, that that's a pretty straightforward way to do it. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I have a thing that I call best practice and for me, best practice says similar to that. It says portfolio projects, maybe moving image about and contact. And they're clear, simple words that all of us understand. So in terms of when you drop down into the work, um, I think one thing to think about is sort of then what? So you, let's let's say you're a, a not a not a quote unquote art photographer. Let let's say you're you're sort of an assignment photographer. Do you separate your commercial work from your editorial work? You know, from your personal work. Well, no. You see, I think maybe we we fall here again in this interesting transatlantic thing because I look at obviously a lot of American. Uh, websites, and I look a lot of uh, UK and European, and I find that the UK and European are very different to the American in that. Um, I think from certainly from UK and European, that personal work should be in with the commissioned work, because what they should demonstrate is a visual language. And whereas in the past, you might have had a separate tear sheet book or something like that as a physical portfolio. Today, the personal work is really important. So the portfolio is like the greatest hits. It's work from lots of different projects that come together, uh, come together that give us an overview of the photographer. And then the projects is where that work can be explored in more depth. So just so I understand what you're saying, um, the first thing is um, a greatest hits. I'm going to make this number up of, say, 20 single images. Yeah. Or, OK. And then the projects is. It, you know, it will say perhaps various client names or should it say various subject matter, you know, lifestyle, uh, you know, cars, adventure, sports, whatever. Well, I think it, I think it should be subject matter. But um, again, it's slightly different. Again, I think from UK and US, because over here, um, I would definitely recommend that there should be specializations. Uh, to be a kind of a general photographer that does a bit of fashion, a bit of car and a bit of this and a bit of that is a very dangerous um, way to go because you're really putting yourself in the soup of everyone else. I think that being able to demonstrate an area of specialization is really key nowadays. So how do you then communicate the specialization on the site? You know, let, let's say that I'm a working photographer and I do do lots of things, but but maybe I, I do more, uh, I don't know, adventure sports or, or athletic photography just just to just to choose one. Um, how, how do you make that physically structurally rise above the rest when you're designing your site? I think you only put the work in, on there that you want to get commissioned to do. So if you want to be a sports photographer, be a really good sports photographer. Um, I think that's really key. So that website as a shop window. I mean, I often use the example when I'm talking about website design of kind of three different um, stores and store experiences. 
Do you want to go to the generalist place that does everything cheap? Do you want to go to the generalist store, uh, like the department store, shall we say? Um, that's a kind of a slightly more upmarket department store. Or do you want to go to the store that the people working there are real specialists on that subject and they do the very best version of that running shoe? So do you want to get a running shoe, for example, from a cheap place that does lots of them? Uh, maybe a more kind of branded, slightly more upmarket experience, or do you want to go to the specialist store? And for me, I'd want to go to the specialist store. And from a commissioning perspective, I think, you know, I want the best interiors photographer, food photographer, sports photographer to do the job that I've got for them. I don't want someone who can do a bit of everything. So, so uh, I, I agree with you from the perspective of the, of the commissioning photo editor. If I'm a younger photographer without a clear direction yet in my photography, I'm kind of taking whatever I can because I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to make my bones in this business. Um, and I'm maybe three, four, five years into the work and I don't have that kind of clear specialty. What do I do on my website? Well, you've raised, <laughs> I don't know if we're getting away from the idea of websites here, but I suppose it's all connected. Most photographic education seems to want to produce a generalist. I'm not somebody who believes that that is an appropriate end goal for that education to say you can do a little bit of this and that and what have you. And the reason for that is because for years working as an art director, I would have people coming to me and showing me their work of a bit of this, a bit of food, a bit of still life, whatever it may be, and saying, oh, yeah, I got really good grades and my lecturers really like my work, so will you commission me? And I used to say, you're not commissionable. There is a difference between having work that's kind of okay and being commissionable. And if you're going to be commissionable, you need to show me exactly what you do and exactly what I'm going to get back. And therefore, from my perspective, where I lecture, from the first day the students arrive, they're allowed to photograph whatever they like, but that is based on their passions and their interests, because that's where subject matter comes from. So if you're going to create a shop window or website for your work, you should really be saying, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to go. Well, whatever kind of work that may be, you can't just put it up and say, I'm kind of the the general, you know, if you want some plumbing done, you get a really good plumber. You don't get a guy who's just a general technician. Yeah. No, again, I I hear you. And, you know, having, you know, you 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 look at a at a website from um a photographer who does um entertainment portraits and um and complicated shoots, uh, like for Hollywood, like, like Art Stryber, who's got a, who's got a, a, you know, a very comprehensive website. He's been, um, shooting for years and years, and he's, he's one of the premier, both, uh, editorial and advertising, um, photographers, you know, in, in, in Los Angeles. Um, and someone I should say he's been on the podcast. At, at, and he's fantastic and he's a, and he's a, and he's a wonderful guy and he's got a great Instagram feed and everybody should should look at both his website and his Instagram feed. But Absolutely. he's somebody with a true and deep specialty and his website shows that, you, you know, Art Stryber can deliver. 
I guess I'm just, uh, you know, I go back and, you know, we can go round and round on this, but, but I, I do feel for the younger photographer who might have not very much to put on their website. If, if we're asking them to be that focused, um, I agree with you that when I come to a website and I know exactly what this person does and, uh, and it's framed that way, I'm ecstatic. Because I know, because like you said, I know what I'm going to get from the experience when I walk into that shop. So stepping back from that a little bit um, and talking about the first image, now we're moving a little bit away from structure. Sorry. Um, But I think this goes to the focus uh, point. The first image I see on the site when I get there, the quote unquote hero image should be, this is a question, um, the thing that I do most often or the sort of stretch photo, um, like the single best shot I ever had, or what do you, you know, what do you think? I, I extend, I extend the metaphor of a shop. And I think that that image is your shop window. It should give us a sense of who you are and what you do, but also it should give us a sense of intrigue. You know, it's got to work on different formats. It's got to work on a big screen, a small screen and a phone. And that's something that we really need to think about when creating a website in that the experience is going to be in different sizes of different scales on different platforms. Um, so I think the, the really key thing, and going back to that thing you were saying there about the young photographer not having uh, very much work, I'm currently working with my second year students on building their websites. And they may have only four or five images on that website that, that are right for them at that stage, but that's okay. Because I think the biggest mistake that people make with websites is they put too much on. I go mm-hmm. by, yeah, I mean, you know, detail, for me, there's two great kind of um, uh, quotes for this. There's Corbusier's um, Less But Better, uh, sorry, Dieter Ramsey's um, Less But Better. I think that's a really key thing. And, and you know, the less is more, um, Corbusier. That idea that less can be a good thing. And it shows that as a photographer, you know how to edit your work. Um, I This is such a great thing to talk about because I do think less is more. I do not need to see every photograph you've you've ever done that, you know, that 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 has been published or that you think should have been published. Um, because I'm not as a as a you know busy professional, I'm not going to spend tons and tons of time um, on your site. You know, I may spend a few minutes and I'm going to get uh, an impression. I'm going to get that impression fairly quickly. So I agree with you that less is more. Do you think the quote unquote hero image should be one image? Do you think it should be a slideshow to go back to where we were before with maybe five images? Um, you know, assuming that, you know, the moving image or movement keeps people there longer and it means they don't have to click into your site and start navigating. I think it all depends on the body of work. And I think it all depends on the area of work you're working in. I think sometimes a, a big hero homepage image works great. And other times it should be, particularly with sports photographers, I think it looked great to have a tiled uh, kind of homepage where you get that real excitement and energy. So I mm-hmm. think, you know, again, it's a bit like saying, you know, should a sports shop look like a chocolate shop? Well, it shouldn't. They're they're appealing to different audiences in different ways. And so that understanding of uh, of 
building that shop window, creating that user experience. And we, we're asking photographers, again, as we've spoke about previously about the importance of writing and art speak, um, photo books, you're asking photographers to kind of engage with real deep skill sets which are outside of their comfort zone. So it's slightly unrealistic to expect them to just know how to do it. I suppose that's why we're, we're talking about it now. Um, I worked a lot in retail, so I kind of understood, okay, this is how we do a shop window. You know, I think this is part of the issue here is that everyone's kind of making it up as they go along. But I know you also, you spoke to somebody and you got some really good, um, some information, some thoughts from, uh, yeah. from somebody else. Maybe that's a good, it's a good time now to, to bring yeah. those into the conversation. Yeah, I would, I would love to do that. Um, um, I, I do want to say one other thing about keeping it simple, which is the load time on your, um, you know, for, for people who are using the site. You, one thing you really want to do is make sure that they're not kept waiting while the next photo loads or when you click in. So the less is more helps you there too, because there's less quote unquote, wait on the page, the fewer photographs that you have going. Um, yeah, ab absolutely. And as does this whole idea of kind of, you might understand how it works, you know, where you need to click and where the image is going, but the person coming to it cold hasn't got a clue. So you must never assume understanding. What I have here is, is I spoke with, um, a great photo editor and, and someone I've worked with named Jesse Adler and, and Grant, she has quite a few comments, which I think are very instructive. So I think maybe rather than reading through everything and then going back, you know, we can stop if we want to um, and comment on, on her points and then go back to it kind of like a spine that, that directs this part of our conversation. If that, if that makes sense to you. Sounds good. Great. So, so Jesse Adler has been a photo editor for, you know, around two decades. She's currently the director of photography at Inc., which is a very popular business magazine here in the States. Um, she's also worked at Elle, the fashion magazine, um, and Fast Company and various travel magazines. And I, I really appreciate Je um, Jesse's uh, insight here. So I asked her first, why she goes to a photographer site rather than his or her Instagram page and what she's looking for that's sort of different. And this is what she says. Almost always, I'll go to a photographer's site before going to their Instagram page. It's quicker to type their name into search uh, as their sites are usually their first and last names.com. On Instagram, sometimes a photographer uses handles, which are different from their names, and that makes it harder to remember which handle goes with which photographer. So now this is Bill talking. Um, I think this is a, a really good point, and it's a note for photographers. On Instagram, don't get cute, you know, uh, and call yourself another day, another photo. Just use your name. Um, yeah, it's exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly what I teach is that you have to use the same thing across all social media platforms as on your oh. website. Right. So um, so so uh, Jesse goes on to answer the question. Um, additionally, I have a huge collection of sites bookmarked and organized by location that I started 20 years ago before Instagram is mostly of their sites rather than it's the work displayed at a larger size organized by category, hopefully, 
and also hopefully to find their contact information. Well, you know, it, it, what we're talking about is the audience, isn't it? You know, yes. she's she's laying down very strict rules. This is how I work. And I'd like you to work to make my job easier. Um, and I think the larger size is also um, something to, to take note of. Um, I asked Jesse, <laughs> I asked her for three things that photographer sites are doing wrong. And she gave me more than three because um, looking at a lot of sites, I think she agrees with us that most photographers can do better. Uh, she starts off by saying, the most common mistake I see photographers make on their site is not including clear, easily findable contact information, a basic phone number and email address. It drives me crazy to have to go down a rabbit hole to, to try to find a way to contact a photographer. Many times I've resorted to DMing them, which makes me feel a little bit like a stalker. Many photographers will have an about section and will include all sorts of personal details, such as their favorite food or that they go spelunking or some other random hobby or write commentary about how it feels awkward to write in the third person about themselves. But then they forget to include their contact information while infusing a little bit of personality is lovely. I am moving quickly and I need that contact information. I also think it's really dangerous to put in personal information. Not necessarily because people are going to find out about you, but I mean, that may be a consideration, but also because you might put something in there, which is going to not work for that person. You know, it goes back to that less is more. I think that, you know, the idea of giving the, the basic information, give them the contact makes it easy to do. Then you can follow up when you meet that person, if they like the work, you don't have to tell them your whole life story. Or also put list and list and list of everything you've ever done. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, I will say one thing. Um, I was looking at my my um, friend uh, Amy Lombard's site, and she's a terrific photographer um, in in New York City, um, who's who's just doing great work now. And one thing she wrote that I saw was uh, telling us that she's fully vaccinated, and I actually thought that that was a good thing to include. Um, because it answers a question that some photographer, that some photo editors may not feel comfortable asking, um, especially when you're putting this photographer in close proximity, perhaps with a, um, a famous person or a celebrity. Yeah. Well, maybe a, again, a US UK thing. I think in the UK, yeah, absolutely good information, but I think, you know, we all are, you know, there are very, very few people here. We didn't have the same kind of political yeah, um, I mean, I was going to say, <laughs> Grant, we could spend we could spend a lot of time <laughs> talking about that. But in this country, unfortunately, there are, uh, uh, there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of uh, distrust of science. So um, that 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 probably is different. Yeah, I think so. Well, what else does she have to say? Would she have anything? Well, else? I do want to I, I do want to follow up to your comment um, about not putting in from, uh, you know, all sorts of information, because she says this, which I think is interesting. Um, also, when and this is, again, in, in the sort of about um, uh, about me um, bucket. Also, when photographers do not include their locations on their sites or say things like I'm by coastal, most of the times I hire locals. And it makes it difficult to bookmark their work in a location folder if I don't know where they actually live. I think the reason some do this is because they think they will be considered for more projects in more places. But to me, it has the opposite effect. 
Well, that's so interesting, isn't it? I can remember 20 odd years ago when people first started to get websites, photographers who were outside of London thought that they had to put that they were in London because you, if you were outside London, you weren't as successful or, or whatever it may be. And now, of course, with budget restrictions, um, people are commissioning far more with the idea of I need somebody in that town or that area. Um, I always put I'm in the southwest of England because that kind of covers me enough uh, going across, but obviously much smaller than where you are. But it's a really important point with that idea, again, of the photographer understanding the the person who's commissioning them budgets are going to be important and therefore that's key information for their audience yeah i thought that was really terrific yeah um, okay she <laughs> she says uh, my other personal pet peeves include images displayed too small on a site with too much negative space around the images the images should be displayed as large as possible and, you know, I think if people want to look at small images, they will go to Instagram. So I, I do think, you know, the website is the place to show me the big image. It is. It's a showcase. And, and only a few weeks ago, I was looking at students' um, websites before they kind of submitted them to me for, for grading. And I was saying exactly that thing. These pictures are too small. But at the same time, I think one of the issues with websites, and it's not something we've discussed at this point, but when you're finding a template and you're using a template from a company um, such as Squarespace or whatever those uh, various companies you choose to use, a lot of them are formatted in a way you've got to get the right template that gives you enough functionality that you can put captions on. So, for example, for me, captions are a really key thing um, on a lot of photography. So you've got to make sure that the pictures are big enough, but that they're not too big that they're not too small. So doing a lot of work on finding the right template is really important research. Um, I think one way to do that research is to look at a lot of other photographer sites, see which works best for you. And usually you can find it on the site where it says, you know, by Squarespace or, or, or whatever company. Um, or you know what? Reach out to the photographer, find out who designed their website. I'm sure they'll be happy to tell you. And that that's a great, so you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can just say, oh, I really like this person's website. I want to do mine just like that, but with my images. And I think that's fine. Well, you know, it's exactly as we said with the photo book, wasn't exactly. it? You know, you know, do your research. Don't feel that, you know, you've got to come up with this great new thing. Look at what works. Look at what doesn't work. Work out why it doesn't work. And then there's not, as you quite rightly say, there's nothing wrong with adopting a successful template and somebody else is doing it, particularly if they work in a similar area to you. And then that makes complete sense. You should be aware of those photographers anyway, and you should be aware, aware of their work and how often they're updating it. Because I think that's another problem. Too often um, people feel a pressure to update their website with the latest work, but it might not be the best work. Well, let's um, uh, Jesse talks about that in a minute. And, and I think we should um, uh, come back to that because I think that's super important. I do want to go back to what you just said about captions. So do you think that that uh, every photo or at least every project on a site should have a caption? 
I think if it's a, a project, a body of work, I think it's important to have some context at the beginning of it that it, that explains it. Um, I think if it's uh, kind of maybe sports or maybe celebrities, uh, I think it's good to have a caption. I think it's respectful um, to put somebody's name and what they do, perhaps who it was um, photographed for, if it was a commission. It's all extra information. It's a bit like, again, I'm going to go back to the store metaphor. It's like going into a store and you pick up all these things that you really like, but nothing's got a price on it. <laughs> right. So in terms of the in terms of the caption information, do you think it's um, George Clooney, June, uh, you know, uh, 2014 shot for Esquire? Or do you think yeah. it's more than that? No, I think that's all it needs. I think it's very simple and um, straightforward. Uh, my own website, I, I photograph a lot of kind of well-known people and it just has their names uh, and what they do. And I and I think that's that's all it really needs. We don't want to know what camera, obviously. We don't want to know about the lens. We're not interested in any of that. But to presume that somebody's going to know who these people are is again a presumption, you know. And that's that's not a great idea because you may not be presenting yourself in the best way. And that's really for me all a website is attention to detail in particular. And also if you've got names of people, make sure they're spelled correctly. Make sure that your uh, about is written in the third person, but it's also written well. It's It's got good syntax, good grammar and good punctuation. Um, absolutely. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to, um, uh, go to follow up on what you said about recent work. Um, and, and this is what, this is what Jesse says. When photographers don't bother to update their sites for over a year, so their work is not fresh or reflective of what they're currently up to. And again, that that's one of her pet peeves. Um, she also suggests having a prominent link to your Instagram feed so that editors can easily see your more recent work. Makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, so she's saying that she would like to see your work from within the last year. I think within the last year. I mean, it's it's funny, isn't it? That, you know, this uh, episode's going out at the beginning of the year, and a lot of people I know spend kind of Christmas and January updating their websites because um, there's maybe might be a bit of downtime and time to do that. Then absolutely, you should be keeping an eye on it and refreshing it. But you don't have to do that every week. Right. Exactly. Um, so uh, another one of her pet peeves, and we've talked a little bit about this, is that sites are hard to navigate. Many photographers decide to drop a lot of money on custom sites. You know, occasionally they look uh, amazing and are user friendly, but more often they're too complicated and not user friendly and simple and clean. And that, you know, you should use a template and um, and just and, and make it simple, which we've already which we've already talked about. But I think also that simplicity, I mean, what she's talking about there also, but the simplicity of language, I think that so often I look, and I look at a lot of websites, particularly when I'm looking at photographers to invite onto the podcast, and I'll see a list of names of projects, which mean absolutely nothing to me. I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's on my list of pet peeves. I really have to know what I'm looking at. And if you have some sort of like, um, you know, Raymond Carver-esque um, oblique title, it just does not help me. And I really want to know if this is like swimming in Brazil, um, then that's what it is. Just tell me what I'm getting. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, everything comes back to the same thing, doesn't it, really? Keep it simple, 
think about your audience, understand what the reason is for this thing existing, and then and do your research. And it, and everything we talk about, whether it's photo books or any, anything else we've spoken about so far, it seems to always come down to those kind of basic, um, that basic premise. Yes. Um, her her last pet, uh, pet peeve is when ad work is heavily mixed into a site that differs in style from the photographer's editorial work. I realize that ad work is the, is the higher paid work, but it makes, it makes it more difficult to stand out in my mind if the edit work feels cluttered by other work that is not relevant to the type of work that fits in with the aesthetic of the magazine that I'm working for. An easy solution is to have a commercial category and an editorial category in the navigation. Yeah, well, the good structure. But again, you know, the, you don't want to be going down the fresh fruit aisle and suddenly find yourself in the computer room. <laughs> yes, exactly. Unless it's Apple. Uh, yeah, <laughs> very good. But, you know, you. I, uh, it really is. It's just about that kind of sense of structure, that sense of awareness and also thinking before you do things. Because one of the things I, I am aware of with websites is, you know, if you're sending your website out for somebody to look at and it isn't following some of the rules that we've spoken about or some of the considerations, you can't send that out to somebody again for a good couple of months. You can't keep emailing people every couple of weeks. So you want to make sure it's right before you let people know that it exists. Right. Um, so here's a here's a question for you. Should I list the names of my should I name check my clients on the on the website um, so that prospective assigning editors know that I've worked for all these different brands or clients? Uh, I certainly do on the about section. I have a little bit about me. Very, very brief. I have a little section of clients. I have a little section of exhibitions and a little section of books and films. So it's it's very, very short. But I think, yeah, you know, you want to give confidence to the person who wants to engage with your work. And I think that that um, it gives that foundation as well, doesn't it? That other people have trusted you um, to take on a commission. So I'm absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. But again, we don't need everybody you've ever met in your life. Um, uh, you don't need that. And I also don't think you need to show work from every single client who you mention, because again, you know, show us a couple of things make sure they're really good. Um, but keep it simple, keep it clean. Yeah, absolutely. But again, it comes back to this thing whereby, you know, for me, the portfolio section, you said 20 images, I completely agree. 15 to 20 images in the portfolio section. When you get to a project, uh, I was looking at a site the other day and I was clicking on these projects and the photographer was saying that the project was two images. I was like, that's not a project. That's, <laughs> it's two images. Right. You know? It's like... For a project to exist, it has to be a body of work. And then I can engage with that body of work. So it really is about not putting stuff up there until it's right, only putting the right work that you want to get commissioned to do. Because at the end of the day, and I, I've written about this previously, for me, a website is not a vanity project. A website has really got very little to do with you as the photographer. It's all about the person who perceives it because you're going to look at it 
there's, you're looking at your work anyway. There's nothing that goes onto a website that you don't already know. But the person who's coming to it, they're the one that you're informing. Right. So I think a good rule of thumb is to think about the, I'm making this number up, five, seven, ten things that you think the person looking at your site wants to know and the priority in which they want to know them. And I think that's a good test for, am I meeting what the audience actually wants from my site? Um, so here's another question for you. What about if I'm a photographer and uh, I have prints that are for sale? Should, should that be on the site? Should it be shop? Should it, what, how, how should I, how should that be part of the site and the structure? Yeah, I think it can be shop, can't it? Or it could be prints. Prints, um, yeah. And there are a number of plugins that you can get, which you can connect to different templates. And some templates already have that kind of retail functionality. It's got to be personal to you, but it's also got to be personal to your audience. Yes. And however you want to do it is absolutely fine. But make sure that it's not just about because you understand it, because you like it, that you think that it's good because it might not be. Um, And you know what? I think by and large, you know, we've been talking about um, editorial and commercial photography, but I think the basic rules of what we're talking about also apply to a fine artist. Um, You know, I think that there's more leeway for the names of their projects. Um, It's traditional that there's also a section that, you know, lists all the place where you exhibited um, and, and that is quite exhaustive, more exhaustive than I think an editorial photographer should be. But I think the, the rules of simplicity and recent work and um, navigation uh, hold for an art photographer as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I, I, you know, I would put the question to any art photographer. If you have a website, why do you have it? Surely it's to raise your profile, market your work, and to sell work. Therefore, it is just as commercial as any other website. Yep. You know, it's it, you can't, in, and if it isn't for those reasons, don't have it. I think that's, a, I think that's 100% right. You I know, agree. it's, it's the, the website is a commercial enterprise created for commercial reasons and therefore should have an understanding of commercial engagement. And as both you and I know, there is no bigger marketplace than the art marketplace. That is for sure. (laughs) Well, listen, I think we've absolutely, um, we've nailed the website. (laughs) We've got, uh, we've got, we we are the new Squarespace. (laughs) I'm not sure about that, but listen, um, thanks as always uh, for the contributions you brought uh, to this uh, conversation. And um, thanks also for all of your uh, input. And as always, you know, out to the listeners, if you want to disagree with what we're saying, if you want to ask us further questions, uh, or if you want to put something to us, then just get hold of Bill and I through the United Nations of Photography.com website, and we always respond. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there's probably a lot of specific questions that we could, that we can answer about websites and if people have them um, bring them on for sure. And also uh, one more thank you to Jesse Adler for, for all of her insight and, um, and, and, and help on this. Yeah, that's great. Thanks very much to her. And thanks very much to you, Bill. I look forward to the conversation continuing. Same here. Take care.